My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. With your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it will be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So while this is our third Sunday Mass of the semester, this being our our first one back on campus, makes back with our music ministry as well, makes it feel a little bit more official. So to all of our, our newcomers, welcome to all those returning, welcome back, even though this is your first, or first full week of school without a day off. So I know it's like really getting into the semester now, but it's truly a joy having you all back on campus and seeing the campus alive with, with thousands of students here. And it's always exciting for me to see how our Red Hawk Catholic community changes every year. We have some who graduate and have left us and now others are just starting. So we're glad you're here and we really hope that you'll take advantage of all the, the different opportunities that we offer on campus every day to grow in your faith with Jesus and in his Catholic Church, which you'll hear a little bit more at the end of Mass. This is the start of my 17th year here at Montclair, which is shocking to me. When I first started, the Archbishop at the time said, because I was only 33 years old, that in some ways I could probably be like an older brother to the students, Now looking at some of your birth dates, well, that's definitely not the case anymore. (laughs) Definitely feeling my age, but I still love being here. I still love being with all of you guys, and it really helps keep my college memories alive and fresh in my mind, especially since it doesn't seem possible that 33 years ago, I first left my home in Clark, New Jersey, to drive out to DeSales University, seeing the freshmen move into campus, I couldn't help but think of how, of all the nerve-wracking and challenging things I faced moving away from home and leaving the safety of my, my loving parents and my brothers, the scariest part for me was meeting my roommate. Now, mind you, this is before Instagram, this is before TikTok or Facebook, or even before email. Email was like invented my senior year of college, so just to give you an, an idea of how old I am. So the only information I had about the guy was getting this card in the mail, the actual mail, the one delivered by the mailman. And it had his name, his address, and his phone number. So I actually had to have a phone conversation with him over the summer. And sounded like a decent guy, 
we joked about different sports teams. He was also from an Italian family, so it seemed like we would get along. But by move-in day, I was, I was a nervous wreck. You know, just arriving to campus, getting to the dorm, finding the room, walking in and meeting this guy for the first time who I'd be rooming with for the next year. And there were just so many fears. What if we didn't get along? What if he was weird? Uh, the cliche goes that you don't really know someone until you actually live with them. I wasn't sure at this point I really wanted to know him. So, but things started out on a good note. We tried those first few days just to be understanding of one another. You want that bed? Sure, great, fine. We're only allowed one refrigerator in the room. Okay, let's buy one and we'll split the cost. We tried to work around each other's air conditioning needs, music preferences, shower schedules, and things seemed to be going okay. It wasn't perfect, but... I was relieved he wasn't like a mass murderer on the run. He seemed to like to watch the movie Jaws a lot, like seriously a lot, like at least twice a week, but whatever. My parents and teachers told me that the whole thing about living away from home was learning how to deal with someone else's quirks, so the guy likes Jaws a lot. All right. He was similarly obsessed with Phil Collins and the rock group Genesis. It was annoying, but okay, if that's the worst I have to live with, okay. What became challenging was that Chris liked to go to bed early. And by early, I mean 10 o'clock, lights out. Now, it was true. We both had the early morning classes. We had the typical terrible freshman schedule where we had class at 8 a.m. every day that week. But there was no way I was ready to go to bed at 10 o'clock, even if it was good for me. I was living the dream. You know, no mom and dad to tell me to get to bed at 11 was hanging out with my friends, going to the diner at midnight for a very nutritious snack like cheese fries and gravy. I mean, as an almost 50-year-old, I shudder to think about even attempting to do that right now, nor do I want to talk about the 30 pounds I gained that first semester. But anyway, I would leave my room every night around 9.45 and just hang out somewhere else till I was ready to go to bed. And then I would just fumble my way around the room whenever I would get back in the darkness. We didn't have a phone to like take the light out. So it was just trying to like get any light from the, the window or whatever, try to get in and out of the bathroom, which was right near his bed without making any noise. It was about a month into the semester. I came in, it was like 1230. And I was like tiptoeing, was using the sink. Okay. I, I needed to brush my teeth. It was in our room and it was in the dark. All of a sudden, I start hearing Chris cursing at me as he's turning over in his bed. Now, obviously, I can't repeat what he said here. I think I said something like, excuse me, something along those lines. Anyway, he mumbled a few things more and then turned again and seemingly went back to sleep. I was ticked. <laughs> I mean, I was really perturbed. I was so angry, I stormed out of the room. I slammed the door, of course went down to one of our TV lounges and just stewed for a while. And I barely got any sleep that night. And next day, I got up, took off for breakfast without Chris thinking, that will show him and treat me that way. Then I huddled with my friends and I unleashed to them about what happened to me. I said, the guy's a lunatic. He's crazy. He thinks we're like in West Point that you have to be in bed at 10 o'clock, lights out, no exceptions. And then to further justify my anger and play the toll victim role, I added, here I've been trying to respect this Jaws, Phil Collins, Genesis geek, and what does he do? He curses me out for brushing my teeth. Is he for real? And of course, my friends being the great friends they were, 
totally supported me through, and a couple other things that I had forgotten about, just to add a couple more Duraflame logs to the blazing fire, <laughs> reminding me of other things that annoyed me about Chris. So now I'm getting more and more ticked off. So next couple of days, I completely kept my distance. I knew his class schedule so I could avoid him, dodge him, blow him off a few times for at least three days. It's like Thursday afternoon. We both happened to be in the room at the same time. And he, all of a sudden he just says, Jim, are you angry at me or something? Did I do something? I was like stunned by his arrogance, even asking the question. I'm like, I'm like I just let him have it. Do something. Are you for real? Yeah, you could say that. You ripped into me because I wake you up Sunday night. You know, you curse me out because I'm brushing my teeth and you're wondering why I'm ticked off. And he's literally staring at me with this look of complete confusion. And after like a minute of silence, he just kind of laughed. He's like, oh, I guess I forgot to tell you that sometimes I talk in my sleep. (laughs) He had zero recollection of the whole incident. Didn't even hear me when I slammed the door and stormed out that night. I'm still embarrassed when I think about the whole episode. I felt like the biggest jerk in the world. Not because this was the first time in my 17 years of life I had ever encountered someone who actually talked in their sleep and actually had conversations. But, and the worst that like I had ever had up until that point was like sharing a room with my brothers who would snore. But I felt like an idiot because I treated the guy like crap all week and I bashed him. So I don't even know how many of my friends who would listen. I was ticked off and I wanted my friends to agree with me. I wanted revenge for my mistreatment. And even retelling the story now, some 33 years later, I'm, I'm ashamed by that. And even though, like, we both kind of laughed it off that afternoon, there was still carnage to our friendship to the point that by the end of the semester, we actually switched roommates. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him between you and him alone. This advice Jesus offers in tonight's gospel is so seemingly simple It's common sense logic to listen to when we're just sitting here as mere listeners to these words being proclaimed. But when we think about various incidents, faults, sins that we've experienced from our roommates, our relatives, our friends, it's a lot harder not to succumb to to being outraged and just angry and just to give in to the drama, especially in our social media age. I can't tell you how many times I'll see a status that flashes by that says, berating someone, sometimes their name, sometimes they're not. It's like, I'm really sick of people who all they do is take people for granted and then a slew of comments and likes to that, that post, just agreeing with that, how people stink. <laughs> we seem always ready just to jump on that bandwagon against someone else. It's probably because we think it's easier just to get it off their chest in this way than possibly ever having to confront someone over something and maybe have a difficult conversation. But Jesus thinks otherwise. And it's kind of like, why? Aren't there like bigger things to worry about? Well, quite simply, Jesus is telling us that if good is going to conquer evil, if love is going to conquer hatred in our day, in our age, in our world, in our lives... It has to start in the most basic, most immediate level. It has to start in our own hearts. And so, sure, you can look at all kinds of horrific things that are going on around the country, around the world. But what Jesus is trying to make us see is that 
each and every one of us has to deal with the horrific things going on in our worlds. The anger, the resentments, the hatreds that are there inside of our hearts and our minds. We have to get a handle on them and allow the Holy Spirit to to redirect us. So if we can think of someone right now that we've labeled our enemy, just think about the fact that it wasn't just one day they did one thing that just set us off. More than likely, there was a lot of little things that preceded it that maybe went unchallenged or at least undiscussed. But we kept them filed in our minds with dates, times, and occurrences all listed. Those things started to build up to the point that ultimately something happened and a button was pushed and that file drawer flew open and all the evidence of this person's wrongs came to the forefront of our minds. And we were prepared for battle like a lawyer. We were going to rush this person and dismiss them altogether, judge, executioner all at the same time. Jesus' point is that if we can come to that place of hatred or a dismissal of another person on such a, a personal, local level, how much easier is it for us for that to happen on a grand, greater level? Racial tensions, religious divisions, wars, intolerance. We can see all on these grander scales what happens when our collective anger festers and is shared. And the opposite is true as well. If we could take those first steps to heal whatever rifts and angers that we've experienced now and in the manner that Christ has said, if we experience that reconciliation, we can share that joy that comes from that healing on a collective level. Then we begin to to live the gospel and not merely listen to it being proclaimed. Pope Francis once put it like this. He said, if evil is contagious, well, then so is goodness. So let us be infected by goodness and let us spread the good contagion. Yeah, it's probably easier to stew and to be angry and to share that and bash those who've hurt us. But that's also how a brother or a sister becomes an enemy. Jesus is calling us to to set ourselves free from, from the prisons of bitterness, a prison that we put ourselves in by building up walls and bars of anger. Breaking free with the power of reconciliation and forgiveness is possible, but we have to take those steps of faith, and then we actually become the church that we say that we are going to be, that we genuinely gather in Jesus' name, and we experience his presence in the midst of, of us being here today.